Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. So the thing is with Dirk, is with economy of storytelling, you know, like I said during MIA, he looks like a jerk to us. Yeah. But they are filtering him through the way Al sees him. Right. Not the way he really is. Yeah, I know. It's still lazy. I know. <laughs> All right. But we should jump on in. We should. Yeah, we absolutely should. We've got a good one to talk about, I think, actually, in Leap of Faith, uh, directed by James Whitmore Jr. This is actually his first of third, or, or excuse me, second of uh, 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his first after Jimmy. Um, and he'll also do A Leap for Lisa, Lee Harvey Oswald, Trilogy, and Mirror Image. So James Whitmore Jr. is responsible for some for pretty, like... Isn't he also a Mirror Image in Trilogy? Yes, he is. Okay, all right. And, you know, it's interesting because he's directed a lot of stuff, you know, still working to this day. He did, you know, did the whole... He did JAG and CIS, so he's worked with Belisario a lot, too, um, which is, you know, worth, worth noting. Uh, it's interesting to note that Tommy Thompson, who is credited for the teleplay, this is his second of 13, um, including Deliver Us from Evil. So, you know... James Whitmore Jr. directed Jimmy. Tommy Thompson will go on to write Deliver Us from Evil. There's a connection there. Yeah. This is really nerdy minutia, and I apologize to anyone who just wants us to get to the meat, but I, I found that fascinating for whatever reason. Uh, the, the, like I said, he wrote the teleplay. It's from a story by Nick Harding, Karen Hall, and Tommy Thompson. Uh, so it's, again, one of those rare kind of um, occurrences in Quantum Leap where you have uh, a few more hands that are credited for sure. the story slash teleplay. Every time I say Tommy Thompson, Dennis is kind of smiling a little bit. I don't know if it's because of the name Tommy Thompson or if there's something else. But Do, Have you ever heard the Tim McGraw song, Don't Take the Girl? Yeah! Take Jimmy Johnson, take Tommy Thompson, take, <laughs> take my, my best, best friend, Bo. That's what I hear every time <laughs> you say Tommy Thompson. <laughs> I'm going to be 37 years old tomorrow is the date we recorded this podcast. And I have to say, never in my life did I think I'd find myself speaking into a microphone and singing that song. That what? <laughs> I got to tell you something. I remember when that song, oh. when Tim McGraw debuted that song. Yeah. On, I think it was called Nashville Tonight. That okay. was the big uh, TNN. Yep, totally. Uh, the Nashville remember, Network. Yeah, I remember when he debuted. Debuted that song, and I, I'm a cheesy. I'm I'm a sucker. I cried. I teared up. Dude, I was living in North Carolina at the time, and I think it, w- it was shortly after I got my driver's license. Right around the time I got my driver's license, mm-hmm. I think, is when the song came out. Maybe a little bit before. Uh, yeah, that it was on the radio all the time. Yeah. Everybody was listening to it. Everybody, and it was yeah, and it made. My sister, in particular, was very emotionally attached to that song. Yeah. And I, I remember there were plenty of times I would, like, walk by her bedroom, and I would hear her, like, singing along to that, that song. song. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, well, every, there you have that. Every, every once in a while, I'll listen to country music on my, uh, on my Amazon Echo, yeah. and it loves playing Indian Outlaw. <laughs> what a horrible song that just would oh, not oh, man. cut it. 
Anyway, Lord. but anyway, so uh, our air day. date, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the air date for this episode is October the twelfth, nineteen ninety. Our leap date is August nineteenth, nineteen sixty-three. Sam is left into fa- Father Frank Pistano in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. TV Guide: Sam Scott Bakula takes a leap of faith into a young priest and prays he can keep a killer away from his fellow father, who's a witness to the man's sins. Oh no! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually, that's not that bad. Yeah, we, we no. certainly have worse. Um, yeah, Sam, Sam's left in. We do get a, an extended um, a leap in here. Sure. Um, he, you know, couple is getting ready to get married. Uh, they've already basically been married. He just wants to kiss the bride. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, can I? Yeah. This uh, guy is such a low rent Biff from oh, Back to the Future. Man. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could totally see that. It's interesting that you say that because, in contrast, I honestly feel like Danny Nucci, who plays Tony, is kind of, and I mean this with all due respect, he's kind of punching above his weight. Like, he comes off really great in this role in a way that it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I mean, that could have been the kid that played, like, you know, like the young uh, Ray Liotta character in Goodfellas, and I would have oh, bought sure. that. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I mean, the kid that played him was great, and that movie should never be tampered with in any way. But just just as a comparison, I feel like this kid does a really good job. Mm-hmm. He does. And I must say, after looking at his IMDb page, the man is damned handsome, even like to this day. Danny Nucci? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing is, like, I, because uh, I recognize him from this episode, but the thing I remember him more now, mm-hmm. actually is his role of Leonardo DiCaprio's friend in Titanic. Holy shit. That's right. Yeah, because Betsy and I, my wife, we were watching it yeah. last night. Huge Titanic fan. And so... You know like, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, hey, do you recognize this actor? And about ten minutes into the episode, she she finally figured it out. Actually, she said, like, oh, like guy from Titanic, that's not right. I was like, no, actually, yeah. Yeah. Well, he plays, he plays, he has like a, um, a lead role or a co-starring role on a television show that's on Freeform now called The Fosters. Mm-hmm. He plays Mike Foster. I don't know anything about the show at all. I just, I just saw that on IMDb. He thought it was interesting. Um, so yeah, he's still working to this day, but that, that's jumping way ahead. Sure. Our low rent version of Biff, yeah. who is not Danny Nucci, well, wants okay. to uh, kiss yeah, the bride. Kiss yeah. yeah. Um, and Sam is clearly like, just, this is probably in some ways, one of the better sort of fish out of water moments that we have without it being high stakes. Yeah. There's not a gun in his face. He's not getting punched. He's not, you know what I mean? Like there's just this sense of humor about it in a way. Sure. And, and kind of going off of what I was saying last week about how, um, you know, God time fate or whoever might kind of be playing with him a little bit. Because mm-hmm. he's been trying to kind of pull the strings in his own life these past three episodes, and now here he is, and he has to play Man of the Cloth. Yeah, you know, and so it's just a humorous moment where he literally has no idea what the hell to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jumping, I'm going to save it. We, we've been okay. falling to a nice thing of like saving like spoilers for future episodes yes. for later. I'm going to save it. All right, uh, so I blew we, that right out of the gate. In the oh no, no, it's all good. So we go to the opening credits. We come back. The thing I noted about this establishing shot outside the church. Mm-hmm. There are no cars in front of this church. No. You're that right. is an empty, I don't know if it was stock footage or what it was, but there was no one. There were no cars. There were no extras. There was nothing outside of that church. Yeah. Church looks a hell of a lot like the uh, sanctuary where Jessica and I got married, actually. Oh, you know what? Very yeah. similar, yeah. That was such a beautiful, weird venue. Right? 
It's, it, it, for, for our listeners, uh, it's, it was an old Presbyterian church that was built in Indianapolis, one of the very first ones in the state, actually, and um, the, you know, or one of the oldest ones standing, rather, not one of the first ones in the state. That would be ridiculous. Um, it, and it's no longer a church, hasn't been for some time. Uh, it fell into disrepair. The guy that went in and bought it, renovated it for events. But the cool thing is, is he didn't, when, re- when renovating the building, he just made it safe and, like, made sure it was comfortable. Yeah. Like, he didn't paint things. Like, there's exposed brick. There's, like, it's, it's just a really cool, yeah. you know, really cool space. But anyway, the exterior yeah. kind of reminded me. I mean, it almost felt like, like, like you broke into the place and held a wedding. <laughs> I mean, I'd say that in a bad way. Yeah. But it's like you broke into the place, you set up a bar in the back. And, well, actually, no, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so. A uh, well-stocked bar for a place we broke into. You know, <laughs> it was. It was indeed. So anyway, uh, so everyone is milling out afterwards, and we are interested. Introduced to the Monticelli sisters. Yes, we are. I want to take. I want to take a screenshot of them and this thing and put the thing on there. We've been to twenty-seven weddings in this church, twice as many funerals. Yeah. <laughs> it does, doesn't Sam say you don't say? Is you that his response? I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're giving a rather. They're giving their review, basically, of, yeah. of his performance, and uh, they're not they're not too pleased with it. But no. but they do, you know, they they give him that sort of backhanded compliment with where it's like it wasn't the worst, you know, it wasn't it's the like, worst. Yeah, it was kind of an Italian. Bless your heart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so yeah. So uh, Father Mac, Father Mac saves. He does. Uh, Save Sam. Bef- uh, and, and then right after he does, there's this really cute line that the Monticelli sisters have is that one of them is like, lost, hopelessly lost. lost. And yeah. it's just sort of like, oh, he yeah. kind of is. Like, yeah. they don't get it. But yeah, they anyway. Yeah. Uh, they have a nice callback later in the episode that I had completely mm-hmm. forgotten about until I rewatched it, which is nice. We'll get back to it later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we get into uh, Father Max. Office. office and he makes a note that he had been at the church or uh, yeah he'd been at the church for 10 years before they had stopped reviewing his sermons yeah yeah uh, Father Max is played by Sandy McPeak yes indeed he's yeah. one of those like I've seen, I feel like I've seen him in everything yeah well he he he's one of those guys and I, I feel like we haven't had like one of those guys if you will in, in a in little a while, while. Yeah. Um, but he has done I mean any television show that you could shake a stick at from like the mid 60s up until about 1995, he had done. He died in 97, unfortunately, of a heart attack. Uh, and he was only like 62, 63, I think, when he died. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he'd been working, you know, for damn near 30 years by the time he did Quantum Leap. And so he had done a lot of stuff, yeah. he, you know. The thing I remember from his Patton. Yes, he was also in Patton. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, which I might actually watch tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, a little his, Memorial Day watching. Day, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his IMDb photo, apparently he was a villain or, or something in Batman, the old TV series. Yeah, that's right, he was. Uh, yeah. In a few episodes, he played... Um, oh, God, I had this earlier, and now I can't remember what it was. Uh, I really want to know, though. Uh, who was he? Oh, he was also on the Green Hornet. Um, nah, I can't find... Oh, Bat- there he is. Giggler. He played the Giggler. The Giggler, oh. Yeah, yeah the Giggler. <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, Cesar Romero was busy, so they couldn't do the Joker. So the Joker, the yeah, yeah. I can't, uh, Fred Gershwin, was that his name? Uh, Frank Gershwin. As Frank, the Riddler. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Riddler. Or... There was Gorshin. A, Frank Gorshin. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Frank Gorshin, except for there was that one weird episode where he wasn't available and John Astin. John Astin, that's right. Yeah, Tommy, Sean oh, Astin. God, that's yeah. right. Totally. Uh, so anyway, so we're in the father's office. 
Uh, we get introduced to uh, Father Mac's alcoholism pretty early on. Yeah. By the way, that's what, one giant glass of whiskey. I know. Pours. That's what that's what <laughs> Betsy said last night. What are we drinking, by the way, Sam? Right. So right we'll tag now, me on Twitter. Uh, yes. Uh, this episode of Fates Wide Wheel is sponsored by High West Whiskey and their Campfire Blend. Um, like I mentioned earlier, my birthday is actually tomorrow, so I, I got a bottle, uh, and uh, Dennis and I are sipping on this right now. Yeah, right so. here. Uh, so we get this uh, this interesting moment. It was interesting watching this episode with Betsy, my wife. Father Mac offers Sam a drink, and Sam says no. Mm-hmm. And Betsy asks, does alcohol affect the time travel? Because in The Time Traveler's Wife the main character, Henry, has to avoid alcohol because, and the time traveler's wife, the time travel, they compare to almost uh, sort of like uh, epilepsy. Okay. It's, it's an uncontrollable thing. Uh-huh. And there are certain things that can trigger time travel, and alcohol is one of them. Wow. Wow. And so Betsy, only being a casual fan of the show, yeah, she's sure. just like, oh, can that can alcohol affect your sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we never really see Sam drink that much. Mm. Like oh, like we said last week, I think the leap home part two is the only have, like we actually see him drunk. That's true. We do see him drunk. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's the only time. I do think that there are a couple of there, there might be one or two times in the future where he he it'll has be a interesting. Drink, to but, see. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, drinks a little wine in the next episode, but even in sure. that episode, he's very much like no to drinking, mainly because he's trying to save Edie. But anyway, sure. yeah. Um, so from this scene, we get the fact um, Father Mac is. Uh, He's going to have to bury a kitten later on that day. Yeah. Sonny. And he is very much under the impression that Sonny's death was not an accident. An accident. Even though, you know, Sam initially, as he presents it to Sam, it, 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 he's hit by a train. And so Sam immediately is like, well, of course, it's an accident. It can't be a murder. Um, it. I want to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this. I you know, I, I was going to ask yeah. you this off mic because we talked about this last week. I didn't know if you wanted to approach this. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to throw it out there because I, I do think that it's, it's worth noting. Um, we were talking last week, uh, when Lawrence was here, actually, when we were talking about the other, uh, episodes that we were doing, which was Leap Home Part 1 and 2, about this episode and, and, and about the fact that Father McRoberts has this strong attachment to the altar boy who's been killed. Mm. Now, I say this, I'm sure people kind of know where I'm going with this already, but I say this up front that I do not believe that there was anything salacious or, or horrible or, sure. you, you know, happening between these two. But I think that in the context of 2018, right now, which yeah. is what we try to do when we talk about these episodes, yeah. it is an interesting facet of the story to have a priest who has this attachment to one of his altar boys and, you know, says how he watched him come up, how he, you know, trained him and, and, and all this. Sort of stuff. And again, I don't think there's anything about this. Sure. That, that suggests that leads Yeah. That, that suggests that there's anything wrong with the relationship at all. But I do think that it's in 2018. Yeah. You look at, yeah, there, there, there are a couple moments in this episode where, Watching it last night, I was like, "Oh, yeah!" Watching it through twenty eighteen, like, kind of raises a, mm-hmm. a a thing, right? A little bit. But uh, Betsy and I were talking last night, like, when this episode was created in nineteen ninety, like this, like people didn't know this. It, it wasn't. This it wasn't. Yeah, the, it, 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 it wasn't the widespread story. It had been that, exposed yeah. Yeah, to the level that it that it was at that point. Right. So. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
and, and like I said, I mean, ultimately, it actually, you know, I think Father McRoberts comes off very well, you know, yeah. other than the alcoholism. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, yeah, that aside, uh, I, you know, I, I think he's a very well-drawn character. I think Sandy Peak does a wonderful job playing him. I think that there are a couple of really, really nice moments that he has, actually, in the episode. So um, I'm not trying to, you know to cast any aspersions, if you will. But I did sure. think that it, you know, it was something that came up in my mind when I was thinking about the episode and then I sit down to watch it and clearly it's not there at all. But yeah, I wonder, I wonder if you were to put a viewer who'd never seen Quantum Leap before, seen this episode before in front of it right now today, if they wouldn't maybe go to that place during this scene. You have a priest, he's drinking, he's getting drunk. Sure. He's talking about this altar boy who just died in this very affectionate manner you know, is that where your brain would go? That there was some sort of you yeah. know, molestation or you know occurring? You know, because because we had talked about it before last week and like watching this episode last night, like in this day and age, how do priests relate to altar boys? Yeah, knowing that that there is this that there is this thing, a stigma. There's a stigma, yeah. Because I, I, I'm reminded, uh, my ex-father-in-law, he brought his daughter, my ex-wife, he brought her up through the 4-H. He loved working with the kids in the 4-H. But I remember him telling me that after his daughter was too old to be in the 4-H anymore, even though he truly loved working with all of the kids there, he decided to step down. Mm. Because he knew how it could come across. Yeah. And he didn't want to give that impression at all. And so even though he loved working with the kids and wanted to continue on, even after his daughter was was too old to be a part of it, he was like, I don't want to give off that impression. Yeah. So I'm going to walk away. Well, you know, recently, uh, for, for my job, actually, uh, I was accompanying a couple of dancers from the academy um, to an event. And, you know, they're like 15 years old. And there was absolutely a moment that passed through my mind. It was like, how, you know, is this appropriate? Is this okay? And it's like, of course it's okay. It's going to be fine. You know, it's like, sure. it's, it's, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing. If, if you, as a 37-year-old man, were just hanging out with like two 15-year-old girls, that would be weird. But you, sure. as a professional, are a company basically chaperoning them so that nothing does happen to them. You know what I mean? Sure. But, it, but, but I totally can get that. I can totally get where he's coming from because, it, it, yeah, it, you... You don't know how other people are going to view it. And it's unfortunate in a way that his enjoyment and potentially the way that he would have been able to enhance those kids' lives as well w- w- was shuttered due to the fact that there would be, you know, some sort of potential stigma or gossip or whatever, you know, a thing. And so I think that it is unfortunate because I want to make clear, especially to any of our listeners who, you know, may be Catholic or, or you know, have some sort of attachment, you know, in any way that... Uh, I think it is, you know, a shame that it would be difficult for a priest, perhaps, to have a relationship, you know, with a 12-year-old boy because uh, of the stigma that surrounds that now. Mm-hmm. Um, if that would be an impediment, you know, to that, uh, to a healthy, you know, mentor sure. relationship. Um, but it was a thought that I had before I watched the episode. Sure. Obviously, in watching the episode, and knowing beforehand, having seen the episode before, that that's not an element of the episode at all. It was nothing that ever bothered me. Um, And I think that what we get later in the episode, it's clear that that is not... That's not where Father McRoberts' issues come from. No. It's not... And this is not to belittle the altar boy's death. 
it's not the boy dying that bothers McRoberts. It's just death in general because of what he's seeing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a larger element at play that feeds into his alcoholism, you know, and the impetus for that, as opposed to the fact that this boy has, has, has died. Yeah. Now I think it puts a lot of pressure on him, a lot of stress on him because again, he's supposed to be a witness and you know, and all this sort of stuff sure. and which things we'll learn later. But it was an interesting moment during that scene, yeah. you know, to see a priest this upset over yeah. something like that. For sure. And, and so what we and how fucking terrible is it that I even had to think that or, you know, ask that question too. Yeah. Ah, anyway, it's not on you. Anyway, yeah. so uh, so we have this interesting dynamic where where, where Sam is, is trying to comfort Father Mac, and he throws out a platitude that I can't remember the exact word again, but he throws out this platitude, and Father Mac's like, "What you learned that in seminary?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, just like this really interesting dynamic. We get a shot of Father Frank in the mirror, and uh, like I said, full disclosure, we recorded this oh. episode. Yeah, we recorded this ep- uh, episode after One Strobe Over the Line, which will air next week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Sam leaps into another uh, into another large person, and mm-hmm. Sam has a tendency to fat shame some of his leapies, and uh, yeah, this is another... doesn't do it here though. No, he doesn't do it here. He doesn't have time to do it here. Well, he really does. You're right. You're yeah, right. he's in, yeah. Um, and so from here we cut to the funeral we do it's also interesting to note that at this point we have seen Al he was standing across the oh, street right. yeah, at the newspaper he, stand but yeah. he doesn't interact with Sam at all we just see him standing across the street yeah we are in Philadelphia by the way oh yes we we're in Philadelphia Pennsylvania right right yeah. right um, uh, so yeah we're at the funeral um the you know, things are proceeding, and then this is when we actually get introduced to uh, Tony. Tony, played by Danny Nucci, and then Joey, who is played by Davey Roberts, who doesn't look like beyond the mid-90s. He didn't do much no, beyond that. Yeah, he doesn't look like it. Uh, and Tony's breaking into a car yeah. uh, to steal a, a rosary Manor, or a yeah, medallion yeah. of some sort, and yeah. um, steals it, puts it around his neck, you know, basically is giving Joey the whole, you gotta look out for yourself, take what you want. You sure. Know, bullshit, and uh, then marches over to the funeral, and man, things get intense. They do, yeah. And and in short, like, it seems like everybody there, or at least the major players at the at the funeral, Father Mac, and the mother, and Sonny's mother, like, they know Tony is the murderer. He shows up, and they still go through with the end of the funeral. Yeah, and it's weird because Father McRoberts, you know, and again, Sandy Peak really, you know, the more I think about it, it's funny, as I was watching the episode, there were a couple of scenes that did stand out, but now, even going back to scenes that didn't necessarily stand out, he's doing a wonderful job in this episode because there's this moment where he, rec- you know, he, he notices him, mm-hmm. he takes it in, there's, there's like that just beat of a moment where it seems as though he's going to stop and be like, get out of here. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. He doesn't, he restrains himself. He continues with the service. Mm. Um, but it was a really nice moment when the service is over. However, Tony grabs a rose, goes to deliver it to the boy's mom. She spits in his face and calls him a murderer. Ah, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And then there's this great moment too, where like father Roberts is like, leave and like you know, he gives him. He gets mouthy. Said it's my paisan. Why? Yeah. yeah. Why do I gotta leave? And then Sam has this great line where he's like, maybe because he asked you to. Mm-hmm. And the way that he delivers it, and yeah. the, and the way that the camera even like frames Scott Bakula in that particular scene, it's just mm-hmm. like 
damn! Like, yeah. that's a powerful human being right there. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's a really cool moment, yeah. actually. And so Tony walks off, and we get this other nice moment where Joey hangs back for a second. It's almost like he, mm-hmm. wants, he wants to explain, he wants to apologize for his brother, doesn't have the words, and then he leaves. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, so then we get back to the church. Al is hanging outside. Still, yeah, across the street. Not just outside, but across the street. The church, yeah. <laughs> um, and Father Mac and, and Sam, they have this moment at the at the sidewalk here where Father Mac drops a line. It's a long way from where you started. Get a nice little... Yeah, right? Yeah. There are a couple of those in this episode, actually, about, yeah. you know, how, you know, that, that allude to the fact, or that are... Sure. You know... Yeah. Yeah. Little nods. Yeah, so Al comes across the street and they start talking. There's a really nice moment in here, I don't know if you notice this, as Sam is talking to Al, in the background two extras walk by. And you know it's it's my thing. Oh. I love I love I love looking, I love looking when, when extras are really acting in the background. Uh but the the two extras who walk by and notice Sam talking to himself they do just the right amount of noticing. Oh, nice. Without hamming it up. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'll have to go back and look at that, actually. Um, so Al says Sam is there to prevent a murder, and Al says, well, if, or Sam says, if I'm there here to prevent a murder, I'm a little late. Yeah. Because we just... He's very prevent, upset, too. Yeah. We just, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, funerals are always emotionally oh, tense, yeah. and then you get the it's moment. It's a boy, and it's... Yeah. A, yeah. Uh, and then Al drops that, well, you know, there's an 86.2% chance that Father Mac will be murdered in the next 36 hours. So we kind of, I think we talked about this off mic. It's like, it's like we don't get a, an exact, an exact thing that's going to happen. We just kind of get histories in flux. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, to note that coming off the heels of Leap Home Part 2, that that's similar because in Leap Home Part 2, there's no, you know what I mean? Like it takes, it takes quite a ways into the episode before there seems to be any sort of knowledge of what he's actually there to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just more sort of like up in the air because they're having trouble getting the Pentagon records or whatever. Sure. And, and so, yeah, this, this episode and the next episode, one strobe of the line do have that element where it is a little bit more nebulous as okay. far as when you things know, are going to happen. Yeah. And what exactly is going to happen. Yeah. So we go to commercial break. We come back. They're still on the street. Uh, so here we kind of get the crux of everything. Father Mac was witness to a robbery. Mm-hmm. Tony, uh, Father Mac and Sonny were witnesses to Tony robbing, I think it was a convenience store. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're having this conversation. Sam is walking. Not only did they rob it, though, the store clerk was killed. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the important thing. Yeah. Um, which thing is like, I have a hard time because they come back and they punch this two or three times. I have a hard time believing that Tony's just walking around. Like, if he's, if he's on trial for murder, right? I find it hard to believe he's just walking around. Well, and especially how much they hammer home, like Al hammers home, that in, in, in those days they'd be hanged. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it's it's, or like, it's uh, made pretty much explicit well, that, he'd be, that he would be killed if yeah. he was found guilty. Well, it's also hammered home that, like, Tony and uh, Joey don't have a lot of resources. So it's not, so it's not like, like, where do they get bail? You know? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I mean, but Tony's dressed in a pretty damn nice suit. That, and, that's true, yeah. Although he is stealing the medallion. I don't know. I don't know. That is plot hole. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Sam is walking into the church, clearly expecting Al to just walk into the church with him. But yep. Al is, he's he's wary for some reason of, of going in. Yeah. And then we cut inside the sanctuary. He takes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, 
Father Mac is 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 hanging out and um, they're having a conversation, and uh, Sam notices just in time that this giant crucifix is falling coming down from yeah. the balcony. And this is where we get uh, the the moment of music. That's right. Yeah. And then we're gonna we're gonna hear this music in this episode. One stroke over the line. We're gonna hear it in a lot in the Halloween episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like their go-to... The man Yeah. It's kind of like their go-to scary music. Yeah. At least for the next few episodes. Uh, but yeah, Sam ta- tackles him out of the way just in time. They hear footsteps, people running out. Sam tries to... Takes off, yeah, tries to get off. Please get called. Um, um, what I, yeah, what I do appreciate about this scene is that the, it's a cliche scene of like, well, I'm sorry, but if you didn't see anything, I can't do anything about it. What I liked about this scene is that the sheriff's deputy or the police, whatever he is, he acknowledges like, yeah, it's, prob- it's probably Tony, yeah. but if you didn't see it, I can't do anything about it. Yeah, I really like that, too, because there's, there's an exasperation that comes from the officer, and he's just sort of, you know, you get the, the sense that it's like he would love to take Tony in. He would yeah. love to take Tony down. You know, he would love to get that, you know, little scumbag kid off the streets, but he can't. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, you don't have the evidence. I can't do anything. Um... And, uh, they offer to set up a police guard, you know, to keep him safe sure. or whatever. Uh, and that's about the best they can do. Yeah. And then the next, the next scene is very interesting to me for a number of reasons, honestly. Okay. Because Sam gets a cab to, uh, a particularly unsavory part of town. Yeah. What I, lo- I, I love the dialogue. I love the exchange with the taxi driver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, are you sure, Father? This ain't exactly Vatican City. Yeah. And then when Sam asks, how much are you? Forget it. I feel guilty just bringing you down here. Yeah. <laughs> this actor wasn't, he, he wasn't this actor, but he looks very much like Manny from uh, Catch a Falling Star. Oh, totally. Okay, yeah, I see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... um yeah, it, it, it's a bold, it's a bold move for Sam. It's weird because you know now that I'm saying this, it makes me backtrack again. You know, we've recorded out of order, but it makes me almost want to backtrack on something I said in one strobe over the line because Sam just feels a little bit bolder, and I yeah. wonder, and I wonder how much he's taking initiative, and I wonder how much like. And again, I know that there was probably no big, huge arc set out or whatever. That said, you can't help but wonder. It's like I wonder if Vietnam had anything to do with that. You know, being in Vietnam, saving his brother's life, like, if, if, if we've seen him be a little bit more passive in the past, mm-hmm. um, and now he's feeling a little bit more emboldened to kind of just take charge and do things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. But anyway, he goes into the bar. Yeah. Um, uh, Tony is, is spotted pretty early on. Yeah. He's just hanging out, out with this girl. Hanging out with the girl in the booth. Tony says uh, some pretty lascivious things oh about God. the girl. Like, yeah. Well, well. First off, before they even start talking, like, oh, I can't hear you, and so Sam unplugs the jukebox, which was really cool. I thought actually, yeah. Like, oh, can... Sam's yeah. Sam's kind of a badass uh, right now. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Can uh, you hear me now? Yeah. I, I missed it, but Matt Dale points out in his book that uh, there's a little bit of a goof in that the even after Sam unplugs the jukebox, there are actors in the background still dancing. <laughs> To nothing. <laughs> Just the song in their hearts, man. The yeah. song in their hearts. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, I, I, I jotted him down, but I don't even... Yeah. So, he, he, he makes some comments alluding to him and the, and, and the girl. About how she's been busy yeah, a couple of times today earlier. already. Yeah. Um, and he says something, I don't know nothing about no altar boy or something like that, although I understand there's an opening. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 
And then, uh, speaking of taking initiative... Yeah. Yep. Father Mac arrives! Well, but before Father Mac arrives, Sam does something that we did talk about uh, off mic, and, and, and I think even in the other episode, that's he, he grabs the girl. Sure. And it isn't just like... It's very... It's very, like, you know, old film noir grab. Sure. Like, as in, like, she's in my way and I'm going to move her. As opposed to, excuse me, I, you know, I want you out of the way because I need to have this conversation with him. Sure. It's very forceful. It's very much like he just, like, tears her out of the booth, pretty much. Yeah. And I and I don't know. What do you think about that, Dennis? <sighs> the thing is, like, you, you don't want to say that, that Sam is not that way. Sure. But the thing is, like, it's... It's complicated, and men have blind spots, and you can be very noble in some aspects, and in other aspects, you can be totally whatever, and then in the moment, like, yeah, you you think you have license to yeah. handle women well, in, a, in a way that's not acceptable. Well, let's, yeah, let's do some real talk here, especially when it comes to context. In 1963, if a man were to do that to a woman, nobody's really going to bat an eye. Yeah. You know, nobody's really going to say, like, oh, you can't touch her like that. Yeah. One could say that in 1990, when this episode aired, you could do that, and you'd probably ruffle a few feathers here and there, but for the most part, people would kind of be okay with it. Yeah. If you were to do that in 2018, I have a feeling that there would be more people's feathers ruffled. Oh, God, yeah. Now, I do always ask the question how many people would actually say or do anything about it. Which is a whole other conversation, but I do think that it would be more disturbing in in today. Than sure, it would be you know twenty eight years ago yeah. or fifty five years ago. I mean, I guess I would say like I uh, I wouldn't even touch my wife in that way. No. To speak to your point, like if I were in public, yeah, and I saw that happen, yeah, I think my reaction would be is like I would I would perk up. Totally. I would see I would see how the woman handled it. And if like the woman could clearly handle it herself and she tore into the guy, which I can imagine happening, I would like just stand back and make sure that it didn't turn into like a, a physical thing. Yeah. But if it if if it became a thing where, where the woman was like clearly overwhelmed and it didn't seem like she could physically handle herself, then yeah, I would definitely yeah, I feel like I want to step in. You know, it's funny. I was um, I was just uh, it was a little north of Clark and Belmont. And this is probably about like six months ago or so, maybe. And mm-hmm. I was I was walking north up Clark, uh, just past Belmont, and I, I heard like some screaming, basically. And so, like you said, like I kind of perked up and I kind of looked around real quick, and I saw across the street like there was this man, this woman there, and it looked like he was grabbing her, and so. I was just sort of like, okay, you know, I guess this is, you know, this is your moment. Like, you, you're going to do something. And within the time it took to, like, make the decision to be like, I'm going to say something or I'm going to do something, all of a sudden she started laughing and, like, kind of playfully, like, punched him in the shoulder. And then they were walking laughing after that. Yeah. Because it was, like, all a joke. And she just kind of screamed because I guess it would have been unexpected or something. I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't know. Sure, yeah. But it was... It's it's one of those things where it's so damn strange. Because you do. You get those moments where you're just sort of like, oh, oh, something's happening. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, no, nothing, nothing, nothing's happening. Yeah. Well, I had that moment the other day. Like, I was driving my, my, my son to daycare. And, and uh, like, teenage years. Mm-hmm. And, and a guy was chasing a girl across the street. And, like, I perked up. And then I noticed, like, they're both laughing. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, all right. They're, they're, they're playing. They're having a good time. Whether or not that's a good thing or bad thing, you know, that we're more aware, that we, that we react the way that we do, it's, like, it's one of those things where I feel like, man, it kind of sucks that we have to react that way, that we can't just kind of be like, oh, they're just having fun. Like, that can't be the first reaction, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But, like, um, a, a few months ago, like, I was working at, like, it was more like Clark and Foster. Yeah. And uh, I walked by, and there was a guy, he was clearly um, not just street harassing, but he was clearly, like, a little... I don't know, the, the, the most PC way to say it, uh, mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to talk to this woman, and the woman had her headphones in, and she clearly told him, like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm just waiting for the bus. All I'm trying to do is wait for the bus. Please do not talk to me. Yeah. And so I walked by, and, like, she was clearly handing herself well. I didn't want to intervene, so I just, like, hovered yeah. and pretended like I was reading the thing that I had in my hand, and I just hovered to see if he was going to walk away, and eventually he did. Yeah. And I just, like, made sure. I was like, okay, he's not going to come back and harass her. Now, part of me, like, okay, that was enough. A part of me wonders, like, if I should have gone after him and say, excuse me, why did you think it was appropriate to talk to her when... Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know, though. You know, it's like, oh, man, it's so difficult. Yeah, I, I like to believe that everyone has the propensity to change, but... Damn, sometimes you just run up against people that no matter what you say or what you do, it's not going to alter their belief that they have the right to treat somebody that way. For sure. I mean, at a certain point, like, you, you know, I, I want to walk up to someone and say, like, why did you think that that was appropriate to do that? Yeah. But on the other hand, it's also inviting a physical confrontation. Right. Right. And are you prepared to have that? Oh, uh, Yeah. Sam is. Yeah. But, but, but real quick, back to back so back to Sam, but also not back to Sam. What I will say is that I don't have a hard time believing or quite frankly excusing within the context of the episode Sam doing this because I think that you know, knowing where Sam comes from and the environment that he's raised in, that yes, there are definitely lines that Sam would never cross which allow us to, you know, to have the hero worship for him and to think of him as a righteous person. Sure. But that I, I think that, you know, grabbing someone that way, whether they're a man or a woman is not something that he's going to think twice about, especially at, you know, at this point in his leaping, you know, and that's the other thing too. It'd be interesting to kind of just get inside the mind. It's like, man, he's been doing this for a long time now mm-hmm. and he knows like he knows the score. It's one thing if like it's one thing if this is Humphrey Bogart and and he's just grabbing some woman at a bar because he thinks that some guy did something. It's another thing because Sam knows. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam knows that Tony did these things. Sam knows okay. that Tony. You know what I mean? Sure. So again, I'm not saying that it was the right thing to do from my 2018 eyes, and it's something that I would not do. That said putting myself in Sam's shoes for a second, I can make an excuse for it, I guess. Sure. That makes sense? Yeah. 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 But anyway, he yanks her out. Yeah. Father McRoberts shows up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And so like he, he's ready to go. And so we kind of have this, we kind of have this moment of Father Mac, Father Frank, badass priest. Yeah. Just whipping ass in the local bar. It's hilarious because Father McRoberts is totally like the pugilist, like boxing. Sure, yeah. And then Sam is like pulling out like the karate. Yeah, he, like, yeah, yeah. Doing like the hand pose. Oh, yeah. 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 And so he doesn't do like he's quite got a form. And... He doesn't quite do a roundhouse kick, but he does a pretty, 
uh, agile kick for Father Frank. Yeah, it's got a nice little arc there. Well, and Matt even mentions it in his book, actually. It's quite funny to imagine what it would have looked like for the actor that we saw in the mirror image to be pulling this off. So imagine you're in that bar and you're seeing this, like, you know, overweight, balding priest kicking some guy, kicking Tony in the face that way. Yeah. You know? uh, and pretty much knocks him out. Yeah. Because Joey's, like, having to stand over him, and, you know, and, like, he doesn't seem to be conscious at that point. Yeah. Um, but there's this cute moment where they're, like, back-to-back. And, and they look and, in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh... That's right. I totally see the spinoff. Right. Father Mac, Father Frank. Yep. Exactly. Oh, uh, that's great. Um, so they make the railroad tracks. Yeah, um, they're working on the railroad tracks. That's right. The, yeah, yeah, before they get back to the to the church. Yeah, uh, and this is where we find out Father Mac had to identify Sonny. Yeah, and he clarifies what was left. Yeah, uh, of the body. And again, I think in in my mind, and I'm in a very certain place right now. I have to admit because I've I've I don't mind saying because of what we've recently watched and talked about with Quantum Leap and MIA and, and, and sure. through to the Leap Home Part 2. I've been watching the Ken Burns Vietnam War documentary mm-hmm. and the World War II documentary that he did and, you know, I've been watching some some war movies and a little bit of China Beach. Like, I've been very kind of in that place and even reading um, Bright Shining Lie, mm-hmm. which is the book by Neil Sheehan about John Paul Van and, and in essence, about the whole arc of the Vietnam War. Um, and so I think that it's entirely possible because I do this a lot. I'm reading a little too much into it as influenced by the other things, but I think that there's something much deeper at play here with father Mac and it's been building, you know, first we learned that the altar board died. Now we're learning that it was rather gruesome that he had to identify the body and see that body. And I think we're about ready to get the last piece of this puzzle for what father Mac is going through and has been going through for, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Um, but it's a nice it's a nice scene with them walking down the tracks yeah. and it's, you know it's it's shot well it's shot well yeah the, the, and it starts the, to rain <laughs> yeah the rain is very convenient in the background yeah yeah it hits in the back I I I've been in rainstorms that are like that like oh it's raining over there totally it's right here yep. raining over there right here um, when I was a boy I'll never forget my grandfather he used to tell me he's like Samuel I've seen it rain on one side of the street and not on the other and I never believed him and then one day. It happened. happened. And I was like, holy shit, Grandpa was right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Father Mac does have the line, uh, it, it's strange that somebody that small can leave such a gap inside you when you go. And there was one of those moments, like through a 2018 sensibility. Ah, it's a little... Yeah. Is it, is that, is it problematic? You know, that maybe that's what I was searching for earlier. The question, I suppose, is, is it problematic to have a priest this attached to this altar boy through our 2018 eyes? And if it is problematic, is that sad? Like, shouldn't it be okay for another human being to be attached to another human being? Sure. You know, when I think about how close I was with my grandfather, I mean, yes, there's there was blood relation there. But at the same time, it's like, why should it be any different for... I have a friend of mine, for instance, who's in his 80s. I'm, you know, he's 50 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. We don't think anything of it now because I'm an adult or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, why should there be an issue for this, you know, this altar boy to have this, you know, I mean, especially considering what the function of a priest. Yeah. You know, the potential for that function is. Um, I don't know. But you're right. You're right. The the line does sort of make you feel a little like, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we get back to the office. Father Mac is making another heavy pour. (laughs) Offers Sam something. Uh, 
And, and so Sam's turned him down, and uh, Father Mac has a line in the scene, a friend wouldn't make me drink alone. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where we find out, touching back. Way to play with guilt, Father Mac. I, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. And it kind of makes you ask the question, did Father Frank drink with Father Mac? You know, that is a great question. I mean, obviously, obviously Father Frank is new. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't been around too long. And in fact, at one point we learned that he's never even handled confession before. Yeah. So clearly he's not been around very long. Do we learn that Father Frank has never handled confession? Sam obviously has never yeah, handled isn't there, confession. Isn't, there, isn't that what, when, when he's having the conversation with Father Mac, like Father Mac says something to the effect of like, you've never... Oh, okay, maybe, okay. I, I, I think, yeah, sure, okay. I, I, I could be wrong. I, I, I'm yeah. conflating that with the, with the conversation that he has with Al. Yeah. Episode. But anyway. Um, but, yeah, so in this, in this scene, though, we, we get what I think is the third piece of the puzzle when it comes to, to Father Mac and, and what is essentially probably, you know, PTSD and has led to his alcoholism. Uh, as a coping mechanism, mm. um, because Sam ends up finding this trunk with there's like an American flag, there's you know uh, decorations, there's a purple heart, there's a silver star, there's you know all this stuff, and you know Father Mac is very much like you want it, take it, you know, mm. it basically doesn't mean anything to me. And then there's a picture that they point out, and he's like 431 men, you know, were with me uh, that day or whatever, and he, and he ends up talking about um, the Battle of Bloody Ridge, mm. which. Um, I will point out uh, that in Matt's book, he mm. does incorrectly identify the Battle of Bloody Ridge in the context of this episode sure, as having taken place during the Korean War. Uh-huh. And the reason why I say it that way is because the Battle of Bloody Ridge did happen in the Korean War. Um, however, the Battle of Bloody Ridge also happened in World War II, uh, which today it's more more no, well known as the Battle of Edson's Ridge because Edson was the sure. lieutenant colonel who commanded the unit there. But uh, obviously, easy mistake to make. Um, but but two reasons why it's clear that it is a mistake is because Father Mac actually name checks Guadalcanal, which is where the battle took place in World War II. And I also think just age wise, it makes more sense for Father Mac to have been a soldier in World War II than the Korean War mm-hmm. because. To have Father Mac in his thirties, as you know, and sure. you know, in, in, in the army or in the Marines, rather, and then decide to get out and become a priest, mm-hmm. to me, does not make as much sense as. And plus, he's been at Saint Dorothy's for like ten, fifteen years, something, or something yeah. like that. So it, it would just timeline wise, it would also make more sense. Sure. Um, that said, Matt's book is still incredible, and you should go buy it right the second, and you know, just yeah. learn something about the Korean War. Sure. Even though it's not the battle in this episode. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's uh, in Guadalcanal, and he tells the story about, you know, being a Marine and how, you know, the Japanese were basically coming at them uh, the whole time, just running straight at them, not, you know, not caring if they were being shot, and how he killed, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 men that day. Um, and in addition to that, the casualty rate was pretty high on, on the American side as well. So I, I think that his experience there and, and you know, it's no exaggeration to say that a lot of men that fought in Guadalcanal because it was a fairly, you know, terrible battle. Not that there's anything not terrible about any battle. Um, that I, I think has, has absolutely led to this coping mechanism, not only of alcoholism, but interestingly enough to his faith. 
mm-hmm. becoming a priest. Mm-hmm. So I think that Sonny's death and having to identify the body and see that grisly scene triggered a lot of those memories, mm. um, you know, of when he was a soldier, which again, kind of is, is probably the reason why I think, I, I think that he's probably drinking more heavily. It's clearly that he's a, it's clear that he's a drinker. And sure. I don't think that Sandy Peak again, just based on the performance he's giving in this episode all around would let this get past him because it's clear that even after he's downed like a huge glass of whiskey, he's sure. still fairly with it. Like he's yeah. not like, he's not like tumbling around or he's yeah. not like, he's not like Sam and Tom at the end of Leap Home Part 2. Sure. You know? So um, it's more, he, he, he has been a functional alcoholic. Yeah. He's losing it a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which is evidenced by what happens later, I think. Too. Yeah. But it's also important to know, like through everything you just said, like he promised, like if he got out of his situation in the war alive. Yes. He would become a priest, which is like, I, I can't specifically name where I've seen that in other pieces of entertainment, but, but that, but that's a pretty common trope. Well, of, you kind of almost see it again in this very episode in a way, if you think about it with Al. Uh, not, okay. not I'll become a priest, but basically that bargaining with God. Yes. You yeah. know, and the idea and the idea that, yeah, you're right. Father Mac, you know, he bargains with God to get out of the war alive. Sure. And then he'll devote his life to him. And he does, you know, I mean, it, it, but, but it's just interesting to, to note that Al, that there's a sure. similar kind of Thing. crisis of faith brought upon that we'll get to in just a minute. And there, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, also worth noting real quick that there's also a gun that Sam discovers as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, actually, it might not be in this scene now that I'm thinking about it. No, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, discovering all the other war. Yeah, all the, the other artifacts. Uh, so, so if this is, uh, um, Sam has a great line in here. Uh, you have to believe that you're going to make a difference in the long run or he wouldn't be here if he didn't believe that. Kind of touching on the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he he starts making thing like, hey, maybe tomorrow we should go to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And he turns around, Father Mac out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pass the hell out. It's a lot of whiskey. Because he finished one bottle. That's sure. why they're digging through the trunk is to find the other bottle. Yeah. 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 Um, this was, did you watch this on Blu-ray? Yeah. Did your Blu-ray have a glitch at the beginning of the scene? No. Okay, so I had an issue when I was watching this on Blu-ray, because I watched this uh, twice, like once casually and the other one like actually taking notes. Uh, the first time I watched it, like it went from the end of the scene to mid-scene between Sam and Al in this next scene. Oh, no. And I was like, whoa, what happened there? And I rewound it. Oh, Rewatching no. it last night, the scene didn't jump, but there was a little like, like a little flicker, huh? a little pause, and then the scene started. So I wondered if that was just my BBD. Or if that was like a, a noticeable thing across all releases of this. Yeah, I didn't have any. So, I didn't okay. have any issues. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Sam is basically like trying to find his room. Yeah, he can't find his room, and he ends up. And he ends up. It's funny because all I could think of is. Um, I don't know what you say. Right hand of God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because he he stumbles into you know the boxing ring there, and, yeah. and, and it's very reminiscent of the scene in Right Hand of God where he and Al. Are, 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 are talking about how, um, you know, Sam doesn't know how to fight. And I was like, I'll teach you. I know how to fight, you know. Yeah. Um, not the scene is not reminiscent, just the, the, the makeup the, of the, the, the shot. The, the, the makeup and yeah. the, the setting. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, you know, and just like the first season, you can't really count it because like they're just fighting their footing or anything. But like while Al was directly in the church, he was around the church. 
and he had no issues. Oh yeah, right hand. No, this this this. Let's but, be honest. Yeah, this yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. comes out of nowhere. Yeah, like like. Yeah. Well, maybe not nowhere, but I mean, Al has referenced God before. He's not like the way that it's written. And the, the reasoning, the logic behind it makes sense in the context of Al's story, but we've never gotten any hints before that Al has a problem with God or being in a church. Sure. It seems to be something that was kind of... Fabricated. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't have a problem with it, to be honest with you. Sure, I don't. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's it, worth saying. It does... Yes, you're right. Like, he's brought up God a lot before. Like, in particular, M.I.A., because he, he goes out of his way to make a distinction between God being at work versus mm-hmm. the devil being at work. Yeah. 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 Because if you take, like, Al's philosophy on God in this scene and had you would apply it to the context of MIA... Right. That would have been very interesting. And not this didactic God versus the devil. Right. Whatever. Uh, so anyway, so the, the story is, is that... Um, <clears throat> It's Al, kind of Al's dad had had sent him and his sister to the orphanage, and then when he came back, finally had enough money to buy a house. Buy a house. Yeah. And then he got sick with cancer, and, and, and Dad said, "I'll be okay as long as you pray." And so Al prayed for him every day until the day that he died. Yeah, uh, the, the story's a bit incongruous, also with what we learn about Al in Jimmy. Um, because his sister dies. Because his sister yeah. dies in the orphanage, and there and there there's no like. Uh, it's not worth picking apart because I'm sure it's just like Al, it's, it, between episodes like Al choosing what part of the story to tell especially in Jimmy like him choosing to tell the story that needs to be told to motivate Sam for what he needs to sure. do I, it's one of those situations where I feel like you could easily nitpick it as a viewer but you could on the flip side of that easily as a writer whether in an episode or a novel or whatever Right your way out of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like there's like I mean there are, there are authors who operate in the Star Trek universe who basically have made a career out of correcting mistakes and inconsistencies between episodes. Like Good. literally, that's all their novels are. Yeah. Some of them are terrible, but the thing is, is that all they write about is like, oh, that didn't make sense. I'm going to write a story why it makes sense. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. go ahead. You know. Yeah. Just, you know. So anyway, yeah. it's a very nice scene. Yeah. Uh, it's a great character moment for, for Al. Uh, it, it's some really nice relationship building for Al and Sam, which I feel like coming off of the heels of, of MIA and Lee Poe in part one and part two, it's nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because... Go ahead, sorry. Uh, no, go, go ahead. You say your thing. Oh, I was going to say it's kind of weird, though, because even though as emotional as those episodes are and as much as we get for character building for those two characters, the relationship between them at times seems to be a little strained um, for one reason or another. So this is a nice moment where they get to come together again after having kind of been put yeah. through the ringer. Um, but even though there's a, there's a little bit of strain in this scene where where Sam like tries to play like armchair psychiatrist and like what's going on with you ever since the scene started oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. And, and, so, and so Al says I think that color is going to your head yeah. so there is a little there's a little jab in there right. uh, but anyway so, so speaking of, of, of stories and tweaks and Al's more serious storyline it just occurred to me um, as we were getting ready to post the lead poem part one this last week uh, I went on YouTube I wanted to see if I could find a clip of Sam singing Imagine in the lead mm, poem, mm-hmm. part one. And there's not. Like, there's a, uh, a Vimeo yeah. 
link out there, but it's not actually on YouTube. Uh, but anyway, while I was searching for that, uh, I actually found a clip from, I don't know what show it was, but it was Don Belisario talking about MIA. Mm. I think we talked about this during the Leap Home, how like they didn't give uh, uh, Dean Stockwell more serious storylines because he had specifically asked. Yeah, not, not to be so. given those. And in, and in and in Matt's book, it's noted that with interviews along the way, it's been said that uh, that Al had requested, or Dean Stockwell had requested that, like as they were shooting, and people were telling him how great his work was. Like, no, please don't do this. Mm-hmm. To hear Don Belisario's story in this clip that I found on YouTube the other day, he said that Dean Stockwell came to him before they even started shooting. Like, the script for M.I.A. went out, and Dean Stockwell came to him and said, why did you do this to me? Mm. And, like, Don Belisario had been expecting him to be, like, over the moon, that he's getting, like, you know, you know, it's all Al, it's, you know, it's all Dean. And Dean Stockwell was like, even before they started shooting, Dean Stockwell was like, why did you do this to me? To do this, I'm going to have to put myself through a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder which version is correct. (laughs) Did Dean Stockwell say it before they started shooting, or did they say it during shooting? I'm guessing they said it during shooting. Yeah. And years after the fact, Don Belisario is going back and embellishing the story. Sure. Yeah, I mean... Anyway, there's, there, there's a lot of those clips I found, and that's the only one of my, that I watched, but yeah. there's a lot of clips of Don Belisario just talking about the show. I want to go back and yeah. watch those. Yeah, and the... The wonders of the internet. Like, okay, seriously, yeah. if a 14-year-old me it could, like, <laughs> live in the world we live in today, like, yeah. I don't mean that. <laughs> I just realized how that might have sounded to some people. I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, like, to, to I would sit all day and just watch, like, interviews like that, and, you know, I mean, I would have been junkie for it. I mean, I still will be. I'm, I'm, you know, I just, it's kind of amazing to me in a way that I haven't done a lot of that yet. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, anyway. So. But, uh, so yeah, we get this 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 nice heart to heart. The yeah. scene ends. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to add real quick before the scene between the two of them ends is that there's this moment where Sam apologizes, you know, to, to Al, and Al's like, "No, it's you know, you don't you need to forget. apologize. You didn't forget. I never I told, told you. you. Yeah." And I really like that because I think that there are a lot of moments in the show that we've gotten that are times when Al is having to tell Sam something because Sam doesn't remember it to know that this is new information for Sam that Al has decided to impart to him shows like growth in their relationship, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. it's a small thing. It's a subtle thing, but it's like, you know, you get to the place sometimes when you're friends with somebody for so long that you feel like you know everything about them and they know everything about you that you do find. I know I've even found this with friends of mine recently that I'm, I like unintentionally, I leave things out. You know, mm-hmm. and I like mentioned to something and like, you never told me that. And I was like, I didn't tell you that. No, it's like, oh, I could have swore I told you that. But it's like, you start to, you know, you start to kind of like, just feel like you, you feel this closeness with somebody and you don't, sure. and so it's like a reminder every once in a while you have to do that. So I don't know. It was just a really nice little moment that they had. And, and, and the scene in, as a whole, I, I really, I really liked it. Was great. Yeah. So the scene between them ends and then we, we see it because the, the angle of the scene changes, but, uh, somebody is lurking. Yeah. In the back. Uh, and to me, it doesn't seem like they're they're trying to hint that there's something evil going on no. or something bad about to happen. It's clear it, it, it's Joey. Joey. Uh, so yeah, so so Sam pins him up because well, we have this other violent moment here. Where, <laughs> he where picks his kid up. He picks his kid up, holding him because well, there's even a moment at the end where Joe's like, "Can, can you put me down? Yeah, can you put me down now, can father." You, yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, they kind of have this little heart to heart here. Of course, Joey has seen him talking to himself this whole time. Yeah, like I, I, I wish they would maybe have done more with that. Like, who the fuck? well, I feel like it would have been so easy for Sam to write off to and just be like, I was talking to the man upstairs. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's like he's a priest; he can probably get away with it pretty easy. Easy, the, you know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have this heart to heart. Basically, like Joey is like it's like uh, it's like Tony's not as bad as you think he is, and he used to be a lot better. And he just wants the things to go back. To the way things were. Yeah, and we find out that their dad died. Yeah. And that Tony, you know, used to just be so fun-loving and go to the ball games, and that their dad was a hot dog vendor there, and then ever since their dad died, um, yeah, Tony has been angry and just full of hate, and, you know, it's... it. I'm not trying to say that this is the greatest screenplay, you know, or teleplay that has ever been written. Sure. That said, the way that... Uh, Father McRoberts' character is kind of built through these three sort of moments. It's echoed in a way the, with the way that Tony is built. Mm. Because yeah. we get a little piece of information here, and we're going to get more information in a later scene that really gives you a full picture of who Tony is. Yeah. Because with what Joey's saying, you're kind of like, I mean, that sucks. The kid's dad died, and... You know, but Jesus, he really went off the fucking deep end. Yeah. Like, you think at some point, like... Like, they, like, Father Mac and Tony both seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to get to see exactly what kind of shit that Tony's seen soon, you know? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I... But this was kind of a cute scene, I thought, you mm-hmm. know? And it was it was funny, too, because, like, Sam's, like, stumbling around looking for the lamp, because he can't find the lamp, and, like, Joey has that line, basically, like, like you know, you sure this is your room, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Sam's like, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, it's my room, yeah. But it's, um, it's a cute little scene. Yeah, and it's also setting something up that, that that Joey needs a positive role model in his life. Yeah, totally, absolutely, so good point. Uh, so we get to the boxing scene the next day. Father Mac is coaching the kids in boxing. He has this line like, "You got to remember, you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving." Uh, I think it's Sam or Al who who makes the, the the comment like, "Yeah, I wish I could get him to take his own advice yes. there." Uh, it's interesting. Though, I think Al is wearing the same shirt that he wore in MIA. Like, it may be a different tie, it may be a different, uh, like, little emblem or I whatever. I think it's a little different. I think it's a different shade. You're right, it's a very similar style, but I think that the one in MIA is a lighter green, and this one's a darker, sort of bluish green. Sure. I think. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Let's call Jump. Let's call Jump here. Yeah, you get it up here. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I love, you know, you talked about before, like, there, there are moments where, by now, we have, like, some set tropes in Quantum Leap. Right. And, like, Al or, or Sam calls out the trope and kind of almost like breaks the fourth wall and takes the piss out of the moment. I feel like there's a moment in this scene where Ziggy doesn't still doesn't know like the exact details and Sam calls out and he goes like, why is it sometimes he knows things? Why is it sometimes? He yeah. Knows <laughs> and like a cute little moment where Al is like, I don't know. You want to ask him? You're right. Yeah. 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 It's a cute little moment. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm just like calling out the, yeah. <laughs> the inadequacies of, you know, or in, you know, in the real world, the, Decision of the writers to <laughs> to, to yeah to make yeah. it fully yeah uh, so it works get, for the dramatic tension of the scene yeah so we get this kiss with history we at do the, at the end of the scene uh, and this way it, this this jumps out at me is that this kid who are who are being introduced right now he is easily twice the age of any other kid in that room it's like eight nine ten year olds yeah. and he's clearly he's like he's, seventeen he's got to be. Uh, Benefit of the doubt, he's like 14, 15. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if he is who he's supposed to be, he's 17. He's 17. Okay. Yeah. So, we get the Rocky reference. 
Well, because because the kid uh, says that you know he can't stick around for practice, and Father McRoberts is like very you know sad about this, and like, oh no, you should be practicing. And he's like, no, I gotta work at the meat factory. Yeah. To which Sam says, you know, I saw this movie once where this guy would hit these racks of meat. Uh, you know, maybe you could do that. And he's like, racks of meat. Yo. Yeah. And then he like slams the locker and walks off. And on the locker tape, you see S. Stallone. Stallone. Yeah. So Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that, like, I, I had read this other places before, that typically for the Kisses with History, where they bring in a... Or they su- suggest a celebrity or, or a famous person. It was typically the, the the M.O. of the show. Like, they would... They would even though they didn't have to do this, they would reach out to that celebrity and they would ask permission. And if they said no, they wouldn't do it. Oh, okay. Like, Stephen King for the Halloween episode said yes. Madonna for some episodes said no, and so they didn't use Madonna. Mm. It's interesting that in Matt's book, apparently the producers did not reach out to, to Sylvester Stallone yeah. and ask permission for this. Uh, we were talking about this off mic. I would have loved it instead of Sylvester Stallone... <laughs> The locker said R. Balboa, and we just live in a world where Rocky Balboa and Quantum Leap are in the same universe. Yeah, and then I mentioned that in season six we could have had an episode where Sam leaps into Apollo Creed to stop Ivan Drago from killing him in Rocky IV. Wow, amazing. Yeah. No, would have been terrible. Um, but uh, it's it's a cute little kiss, and just for anyone who's who's playing along at home, the uh, there have been other kisses that we have debunked basically I and mean, then like well that you know like the Buddy Holly one for instance sure, like that. Yeah. I mean, this one actually like I'm not saying you know that oh yeah he really took boxing lessons at a church or whatever but as far as the time and place go it does match up because he was you know Sylvester Stallone was going to high school in Philadelphia Pennsylvania in 1963 he would have been about 17 years old like it yeah. you know it, it, at least at least the 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 wear and win of it actually mm. matches up. Uh, there you go. So yeah. yeah. So interesting though. In real life, Sylvester Stallone actually flattened his knuckles filming the scenes mm. of him punching the meat. I buy that. He permanently flattened his knuckles with that. Yeah. Hey, Amen. Anyway, uh, have was... you seen the Rocky movies? Oh yeah. Okay. I've seen one. Oh. I've seen Rocky Balboa, oh. and I've seen Creed. Oh, Dennis, what are you doing, man? What are I, you doing I've seen, with I, your life? I've seen, I've seen the training montage from four. <sighs> All right, look. And I feel like I... got to see the first one at least. No, I did. I've seen the first one. I've seen Rocky Balboa. Oh, yeah. I misunderstood. I no, thought yeah. you said you seen Rocky Balboa. No, no, no. I saw Creed. I, I, I've, I've seen, seen that. I've, okay. I've seen the first one. Okay. I've seen Rocky Balboa, and I've seen Creed. Yeah. And to me, I feel like two through five, the gaps are filled in. With Rocky Balboa, yeah, I, I feel like yeah. I, get, I feel like I get the full story. It's weird because, in a way, I feel like two, two is 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 like two has some good qualities, mm-hmm. you know, some good some good moments. I mean, it, it, and two through five, none of them measure up to the first one, and neither Rocky Balboa or Creed, quite frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that they're by far Rocky Balboa and Creed are better than Rocky two through five, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but I've always liked two and I like three as well. And when I was a kid, I really liked four. Now when I watch four, I see it for what it is, which is this weird Reagan era propaganda. Oh yeah. You know, Hey, cool. Um, five. Wow. That's what I've heard. Yeah. It's, it's got its moments, but But, man, there's a reason why that thing aired at like, you know, midnight on 
Oh God! Yeah. Fox when I was twelve or whatever. Oh, Lord. Inter- uh, what I love about Rocky Balboa is that they actually filmed the final fight. They filmed that. That was the very first thing that they shot because mm. Sylvester Stallone had to get in shape for that fight, and then they did the fight. The movie was so low budget that they couldn't actually afford to book an arena on their own. They had to be on the coattails right. of an actual I remember bout. This. Yeah. And so I think they. I think they may have filmed it before the bout. Yeah. And so they really had no idea how people were going to react to this because there were actual like spectators in the crowd. Yeah. And like when Sylvester Stallone came out, the crowd actually started chanting Rocky. Yeah. Unprompted. Yeah. 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 And his reaction is, is, is genuine in that moment where yeah. he, when he's like kind of looking around like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you seen like the, there is an alternate ending of that movie where, where Rocky wins, wins the, fight. the fight? Yeah. yeah. It's on the DVD. Uh, yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so we get... It's, good, it's a good, good digression there for a second. It was good, yeah. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so 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 now uh, Father Mac wants to basically like, hey, Father Frank, if you're going to preach at me, let's let's jump in the ring. Let's go a few rounds. Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to hurt you. We're going to probably going to hurt each other. Cut to He's Father Mac beating the crap laying into Sam. Oh, Yeah. It's Sam remembers nothing from the right hand of God. No, well, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he's, 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 yeah, he's feeling the sting. Um, and, you know, as they're talking, again, it's weird, you know, Sam kind of gets empowered almost to just be like, all right, you know what the hell with it? I'm just going to drive my point home. Uh, and he does so quite literally with his fists. Um, yeah. because he, you know, he all but knocks him, knocks Father Mac out. Uh, yeah, you know, in the end. Yeah, I love. The, there's there's a line in here where Sam drops on Father Mac. Please, uh, priests take vacations every once in a while. I want to come back around to that at the end of the episode. All right, it's a spoiler for a future episode. Um, but yeah, he knocks him down. And says, "If I didn't know better, I think you'd want to die." Right. Yeah. Exactly. He says that, and that's when he tells Father Mac he'll do his confessions. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting because. Um, I'm not saying for Sam it would be at this point because he's, again, he's just having to take on all these different roles and do whatever he needs to do to get the job done. Um, But depending on how faithful he is, which, again, I think that there are definitely times when he does not seem to truly believe... He does. I mean, he does not. He does not believe in the standard definition of Christianity. It is clear. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe in the afterlife. He doesn't believe. You know what I mean? He's made sure. that clear explicitly before. So, I don't think it's a problem for him. But it would be interesting with a character who maybe had a little bit more faith, struggling over the fact of hearing confession because that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. You know, this is a sacrament. You know, this is like this is a sacred thing, a sure. ritual, you know, for Catholics. And so it's interesting to me to think that, you know, Sam, who is not a priest, is going to go in and hear people's confessions. Yeah. You know, and it's a trope in films all the time. I mean, people who aren't really a priest end up in the confessional and hearing oh, something God. weird or whatever. We've seen it before. But sure. I just I just think it's, you know, it's worth noting, you know, as, as for Sam, the Boy Scout, does he, do, you know, is there something in the back of his mind of just sort of like, oh, God, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Interesting. 
He does. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, um, I didn't really think about that because yeah. we cut to it so quickly that you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Sam is not really. It, it's more like nerves of like doing it right, right, than it is about you know. Then, then yeah, than actually. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we, doing it. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're not there yet. We're going to cut to another scene. Right. But, this is going to say too. Um, yeah, but but Al just be like, just just forgive everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just do that. Uh, so yeah, but before that we have like Tony and this is the scene that I was talking a gun about. And, and Joey being like, you don't have to do it this way. Tony's like, what do you know? And this is where we find out that, that, um, what was the story that Joey believed about, about their father dying? He had a heart attack. Yeah. He had a heart attack. Like, no, he hung himself. Tony walked in and found him. Yeah. Tony was the one who found him. And it's this very tense scene because, because as, as it grows, um, and it's played very well by both the actors, uh, as it grows, you know, Tony is sort of like. You know, you don't know what you're talking about, and you know, and then eventually he's like, "Dad committed suicide," and Joey's like, "No, that's not true," and it's like, "Yes, it is," and you know, and Joey's like, "No, Mom said he had a heart attack," and it escalates to a point where Joey literally, gra- or, uh, Tony grabs Joey and thrusts him down yeah, on, yeah. on the table, and is just sort of like, and is just sort of like, "No, he, you know, he committed suicide," and the reason I know is because I'm the one that found him. Yeah, and that's Tony's piece of the puzzle because now it's like he's carrying around all of this stuff. Yeah, and look. Let's face it, it doesn't excuse any of the shit that Tony's done. Like, Tony, you know, mm-hmm. Tony decided to abuse the world in order to abuse himself, whereas Father McRoberts just took a more direct route to abuse himself through the alcohol. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, sure. So, but but it is interesting to see, and I think it's a credit to the writing team that these characters do have these real motivations. Um, and kind of going back to what you were saying about MIA, like, we see Tony through a filter, um, but because we get more dimensions of where he's coming from and who he is, I don't mind that we see him through that filter. Mm-hmm. Dirk's still a son of a bitch. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so anyway. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Uh, so now we get to the confession. Um, uh, yeah. And he, what was it? Uh, what was it? Uh, there, there's a line in here where, where Sam asks out, like, hey, how do you know everything about this? Like, you, you're, you're not, you know, you're not part of the church anymore. And Al has line, old habits, they're hard to get rid of. Yeah. Uh, forgive everybody, don't talk too much. Uh, and then we cut to the confession, and then we get Tony's creepy line. You know, it's been 10 years since my last confession. Since then, I've come, I've killed two people. Make that three. Yeah, and then he points the gun. Points a gun. It's freeze frame. Freeze frame. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. And it's so obvious. Yeah. And what is also obvious. That Beckett boy's got himself in a heap of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Uh, <laughs> and then Tony just, you know, lights up the confessional. The funny thing about this is there are no bullet holes in the little wicker screen there. I it, there were. No, if you go back and watch it, there's gunpowder stains and one of the, like, the um, part of the wicker kind of flicks up because that's the thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever had to handle like prop guns like that before and fire them off or whatever. But, but they do because of the powder, they do still project force. It's the reason like Brandon Lee got killed on the set of the crow because what happened is a load got stuck in the barrel. And so when the gun got fired, even though there was no bullet in it, when you fire that blank, that dummy, it's still projecting force. So the load got shot out, which ended up hitting him in the stomach. Mm -hmm. So it's the same principle that if the barrel's clear, which it always should be, when you fire that blank gun, it's still projecting out and it's hot 
and it's you know and and so that's the reason why it scorched it and and the the air the force of the air must have also flicked some of that wicker up but there's no holes ah, you go okay. back and look at I, it, there's I, I, no I, holes in the screen it's just blackened by the gunpowder no no i i've never handled a prop gun like that but in yeah. college i was in a show uh called death of the maiden yeah uh, totally yeah. yeah totally not appropriate for Aries white people yeah totally yeah. not appropriate no. for white people to be in the show because it yeah. takes place in latin america right but anyway uh, uh so the, so the so the crux of the thing is a three person play, and for the bulk of it, one character is pointing a gun at another character, and we were using an actual like like stage gun, like yeah. pull the trigger and actually make a noise. So the 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 director, God love him, he was trying to be edgy or something. I don't know some shit, but he made the rule during the rehearsal process. He was like, if the gun accidentally goes off during oh, the performance and it's pointed at you, talking to the the, the person who it's pointed at to for the for the bulk of the show, and he's like. You die right then. We don't reset. We don't say it was a mistake. You die right then. Lights go out. End of play. Wow. Because we were in a very small studio space. Sure, sure, sure. And so one night of performance, uh, there was uh, this was maybe like three pages before the end of the script. Uh, it's at a moment where this character has the gun pointed at him, like he's actually he's actually stood up. He's not tied up at this point. He's yeah. actually standing up. She's got the gun pointed at him. And it just so happened, it came at, a, at an okay enough moment, like, it just so happened the gun went off as he was taking a step towards her, so it looked natural, but there was this awkward, he steps, gun goes off. The actor processes that the gun goes oh off. Oh, God. Does his best, unrehearsed, fall to the ground. Light booth, figure out what, light booth oh. figures out what the fuck is going on. Blackout. But does it? Did it? Does it even need to be loaded? No. That's what I thought. Because it doesn't get fired in the course of the play. It goes off in a blackout. Right. But that could just be a, a sound cue. Yeah. Eh, well, whatever. Don't know why. That cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, so Sam is shot. Yeah, so it's interesting because we never get we we never get confirmation as to whether or not he's actually shot or if it's just a piece of the confessional that hits him in the head or what. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, it's a, if it's a bullet that actually grazes him, whatever yeah. the case is, but he falls out of the confessional as though he's been shot. Yeah, it looks like. I mean, he, there's blood coming from his head. Like somebody it, shouts. If Father Mac has been murdered, uh, Father Frank has been murdered. If you're a casual viewer of this show just tuning in, you're thinking like, oh shit, like. Yeah. This guy got killed. What happens next? Like, I mean, they they play it off pretty well. Al runs in, and this is where we get that moment, kind of like what I was talking about, where Al kind of makes his bargain mm-hmm. because he's basically like, and it's hard for it not to be kind of cheesy, to be honest with you. That we've that Al has a trouble going into the church. Al, you know, tells this story about why he kind of lost his faith. Al is now going to kind of risk it, you know, the chance talking to God again to. You know, to get his sure. make sure his friend is okay. You know, it's it's one of those weird things where I have to if I have to be a little critical of it. It, it feels almost like as much praise as I've heaped on the writers. It feels like checking boxes. Sure, it feels very workmanlike. It feels very like oh, you know this this is how we give something to the character for this episode. Yeah. So it comes off it, to me. It comes off a little cheesy. That said, yeah. because it's Dean Stockwell. He yeah he plays it incredibly well, and it you know the scene itself has, has does not fall completely flat yeah yeah so actually yeah he he kind of like shouting at God and then he actually like formally prays like 
you know, puts his hands together yeah. with the hand link in his hand. And he says, we, we only got a couple of episodes left of this hand link, by the way. That's right. You're absolutely right. And he's, yeah. he says, he's done too much. You can't take him like this. Yeah. You know, which is really, which is really cool. And again, it's not, it's not necessarily what he says. It's just the fact that all this other shit has happened and now all of a sudden he's praying to God. It's like we had to give him a purpose or something. But anyway, yeah. Sam's fine. Uh, yeah. we, get, we get this fun, like, older couple, just a nice interplay. Yeah. We get this, like, three-way conversation. But the upshot is, is that Al came to say, like, no, I got it wrong. Father Mac wasn't killed. You're here to stop Father Mac from killing... Tony. Tony. Yeah. Which, there's this, there's this weird bit, and I, I think... I don't know where I read this. It might be in Matt's book... It might have been somewhere on the interwebs in Al's place. I, I can't remember now, but uh, it seems to allude to the fact that in the original history, Father Mac did die, but because Sam saved Father Mac from dying, now Father Mac kills Tony, that makes and more Sam s- has to now stop Father Mac from killing Tony. That that variation makes more sense than what, than what we came to in the final episode. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, yeah, that um, makes more so, sense. Yeah. So anyway, um, so uh, we have this cute moment with the older couple. Turns out the older man is named Albert. Al, How yeah. convenient. Yeah. Uh, interesting. He asked like, for you, Al. Yeah. Uh, Ziggy says you're just stunned. Yeah. Is this like one of the uh, like because because we do start getting this thing where like Ziggy can actually monitor what's going on in real time during the leap. We started getting yeah. that. We started getting that more as the episodes progress. I feel like this is one of the first times where, like, Ziggy can kind of monitor things and say, "Yeah, because isn't there like a later episode where like Al is monitoring his heart rate or something like that?" Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's clear that um, even though we have been told by. Don Belisario that at times I think the writers and the producers and maybe even Don Belisario himself were not convinced of a mind that it's actually Sam's body that's traveling so that they're able to kind of monitor Sam's body mm-hmm. back at Project Quantum Leap and know that that's you know him sure. there or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's a variation of it. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not think about it too hard. No, um, no, 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 yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. so we get outside the church. The Mana, the Mana Chelly sisters pop up again. He borrows the car. Yeah. I, for, I forgot they came back. Yeah, yeah. He totally, uh, he totally takes the car. And they're like, "Why do you need it for?" Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so takes off, uh, and then uh, yeah, and so we cut to Father Mac walking Tony down the tracks with a gun. Yeah, and there's this really powerful moment, and it and it says a lot, and it's a, I think it's it's worth just chatting briefly about as far as context goes where Tony looks at him and he's like you can't shoot me you're a priest and Father Mac's response is I was a man first yeah and it's like whoa and I get it like I get what he's saying with that mm-hmm. um now I think modern notions of masculinity mm-hmm. have certainly changed but if we're thinking about what Father Mac's notion of masculinity is, mm-hmm. then a man, yeah, a man has no problem with ridding the world of this scum, yeah, of doing what he knows needs to be done, you know, yeah. damn the costs, yeah. 
I'll pour more whiskey down my throat to kill the pain, but I'm going to sure. Kill you. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of masculinity. Sure. Um, cause I mean, he, he could say, you know, I was a soldier before I was a priest. Yeah. I've killed before. Yeah. But no, he says I was a man before I was a priest. Yeah. yeah. I was a man first. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony says, what do you want? Says, I want you to bring Sonny back. Uh, and this is where we get thinking when, when Sam finally shows up, Sam's trying to talk him down. This is where we get the, the confession, no pun intended. Right. Uh, we get the confession that Father Mac didn't actually see Tony murder the convenience store clerk. He was just saying that he was because he was trying to give Sonny the strength to testify himself. Which is kind of the final puzzle piece because now the guilt of basically, had he not done that, Sonny might still be alive. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it all... Yeah. It all comes out. So yeah, yes. Sam's like, let him off the tracks, let him off the tracks. Slowest moving train in history. Oh, God. yeah. 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 <laughs> it's even mentioned in Matt's book about how one of the, uh, like, uh, the writer, I think, remarked, like, how the hell can this be tense? The train's moving five miles an hour. Yeah, he's going to be crushed very, very slowly. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he, he won't let him off the track. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, and even before we got to the whole I was a man first thing, the way that he's, like, got him by the tie, and he's, like, sure. the gun pointed at him, and he's, like, throwing him down on the tracks, and it's just, like, it's a very visceral, like, again, Sandy Peak's doing some really great work here. Like, it's a very, like, violent, just, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and, and of course, um, uh, you know, Danny is, 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 who plays Tony is suitably scared for sure. his life. Yeah. Um, if this, if this was a, uh, uh, a more intense, not on network TV show, we totally would have seen piss running. Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's worth noting that while Sam is trying to reason with father Mac, that father Mac actually fires the gun off at Tony. Yeah. Like, you know, at his feet, yeah, Yeah, to keep him from moving off the tracks. Um, You know, eventually, it's weird because in a way, you almost have to wonder, it's like, does Sam really talk him out of it? Or does he just get saved? You know what I mean? Yeah, because at the the very last second, Tony confesses to doing it. Yeah. Sam pushes him off. Yeah. And that's it. And the train comes by to separate them. Because now Sam and Tony are on the other side side of the tracks. And, and the thing, you know, the thing, it's like, uh, it's not, who's to say it's a genuine confession? Like if, if oh. gun, gun pointed at me, train coming at me. Yeah. If I totally uh, cool. save my life, I'd say I killed someone if I hadn't actually killed someone. Absolutely. I mean, we know he did, but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, awkward climax made even weirder. We cut to the next scene. Father Mac is sent the punching bag into the dialogue. We get in this next scene. Uh, he's been detoxing basically for the last 10 days. It's an interesting juxtaposition. Like, we have two episodes about substance abuse back to back between this one and one strobe over the line. We see in pretty uh, specific detail in one strobe over the line a character going through detox. This one we just jump ahead ten days later. It's like, yeah, I'm sweating it out, but I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, he says because he even says, you know, I have had this crutch. Um, I mean, it's not even like it's just the next morning. You know, really? so it's like, yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, it's just the next morning. I thought there was a line that, like, it was several days he later. He says, no, because I think what you're thinking of is that uh, Father Mac has this line about, um, I've been using alcohol as a crutch for 10 years. Oh, um, you know what? I, 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 I misheard that, and I thought it was 10 days later. Yeah, no. Because yes, I, no. I thought it was one of those weird situations where Sam hangs out for several days after the, the primary 
yeah. objective was done. It's yeah. It, so I don't want to. I mean, look, it's forty five minutes. We say that a lot. Yeah. That's true. It's forty five minutes of TV. You can only do so much. Um, I think that we are left with enough of an idea that Father Mac is going to be able to, you know, to, to train for his boxing, get himself right. But Sam also leaves him with the whatever your feelings are about AA or, you know, any other programs that are out there. It is an incredibly powerful motto for the people that use it. Sam throws out the one day at a timeline, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that whether or not, you know, realistically we could take stock that this is all going to turn out okay and mm-hmm. that Father Mac's never going to have another drink or not, eh, who the hell knows? But within the context of the TV show and, and obviously what Al tells us later, it's like that's enough to kind of clue us into the viewers is to say, like, He's going to focus on the boxing and training and do that, keep himself healthy, and he's going to take it one day at a time, time. you know? Yeah. But also, it's like, you do have to question, like, he walked a guy to the railroad tracks with a gun and was going to yeah. kill him. Yeah. The next day, he's back to entrusted with Ultra Boys. Yeah. Including nice. Joey. Joey, yeah. Yeah. Which, apparently, you know, that... that he takes Joey under his wing. Yeah. You know, he, he stays at the church for 20 more years. He stays sober. He ends up winning a couple more golden gloves championships, which sure. is like kind of out of left field. It's like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah. There's one of those things where they, they probably, I love, we'll get to it later in the next episode. We already did. Spoiler. One stroke over the line where Sam, where Al says, just want you to know, everything turned out fine. Yeah. And this one, they just, like, lay it Every, All the particulars. Tony goes to prison for a long time, but then when he gets out, he, you know, makes a better life for himself. Like, it's very detailed compared, yes. to, yeah, yeah. compared to the next episode. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and so so Sam thanks Al for what he did, and Al's like, I didn't do anything, and Sam says, you prayed for me. Yeah. And then he leaps. And then, yeah. We get another freeze frame. You notice this? No. Right before it. It's like, you prayed for me. The, the the quality of the thing changes so that it's actually a freeze frame, very much like the gun. Freeze frame. And then the leap. Leap. Interesting. I missed that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I was a kid, I love this moment because I, uh, I was a very dedicated Christian when I was a kid. And so, like, th- this whole nice thing of, like, praying and the power of prayer just hit me right in the feels. And now it just hits me kind of cheesy and pandering. Yeah. It's, you know... It's fascinating because we've we've talked about this a little bit before and obviously even talked about it earlier today in this episode that quantum leaps notion of religion is fascinating to me at times mm. because as you have noted on a couple of occasions they seem to at times steer very hard into the into god mm. as as real and as potentially being the reason why Sam is doing what he's doing uh, which makes it like, you know, highway to heaven through time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, or the flip side of that, that there are times when they don't, like it's not even talked about in the context of an episode or Sam is basically coming out saying like, I don't believe in an afterlife or I don't, you know what I mean? Is very much the Mm -hmm. scientist. And so it's, it's interesting the relationship that the show has with religion yeah. Um, because God obviously gets name checked quite a few times, gets used as a, as a principle, as a being, um, you know, Christianity is, is a part 
of certain episodes. Religion is a part of certain episodes. Mm-hmm. Judaism, you know, is obviously used heavily um, in, in Thou Shalt Not, for instance. Sure. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, you've got like the, the, those books out there, like, you know, philosophy and Star Trek or Star mm-hmm. Trek and physics and religion and Star Trek. It would be fascinating to have a series of those books on Quantum Leap, like religion and, st- and Quantum Leap, you know, sure, yeah. philosophy of Quantum Leap. Quantum yeah. leap in real science. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I've mentioned this before. Like uh, watching it through a, a modern day sensibility, like especially like whenever it comes to the traditional Christian faith, I feel like sometimes like the show is just pandering. Like we know who usually watches this show, mm. probably mainstream Christianity. Let's do them some bones. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't that's know. being very cynical. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we need to do some research on that. Quite frankly, we need to find out exactly what kind of demographics they were hitting because I think it's worth it's worth actually noting and having a larger conversation about. Yeah. Because let's face it, with the with the tenor of some episodes, you have to think that it it was very liberal. Mm-hmm. you know, for, for its time in a lot of ways and, yeah. and, 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 and dealt with social issues in a way that would have seemed, if not, if not out and out liberal for 1990, mm-hmm. were very much a liberal commentary on how things were 20 or 30 years before. Yeah. You know, with an episode like Color of Truth, for instance. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that, you know, the religion and the politics of the television show are, are fascinating to me. And I think that because of the nature of the program and, and it's almost anthology-like status, that there are ways that it deals with it in certain episodes and then other episodes where it doesn't deal with it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that interests me and, and, and I, you know, it's probably just up to each individual writer, you yeah. know, as how they're going to tackle how they it. Do that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So final thoughts? Um, I, you know, I like it. it, it it's strange. I, I, I think after, you know, coming off of the, the triumvirate of yeah. classic episodes mm-hmm. into this one, you know, so much so that I developed a deeper appreciation for all three, mm-hmm. you know, that, that MIA is great. And we know mm-hmm. that leap home part one is iconic and watching it felt like coming home to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like it belonged in my life, you yeah. know? And then leap home part two, it was like, Holy fuck. This is so much better than I ever, ever gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I felt before I watched it again, I even had that comment to you about how I felt like it was the underappreciated one of the three. Yeah. And I confirmed that. And, and man, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, so all three of those are classics. To come off the heels of that with an episode like this, it it, it, it can't help but feel a little underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard to not say it's a good episode. No. It's it's really good in some ways. Yeah. And there's some really great moments. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I think that the the last, you know, the Al praying for Sam, Father Max easy redemption, if you will, those are flaws and they should be pointed out as flaws for a 45 minute piece of television though. Sure. And for quantum leap. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's good. Watch it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Like it. Rest in peace, Sandy peak. Yeah. Which sounds like a location and not a name. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Packing up the car, going out to Sandy peak. Yeah. Sandy peak. Yeah. Uh, but the next week we're getting into 
One, one stroke over the line. line. I don't know. It's uh, which we, we we already recorded earlier this evening with uh, with Larry, Larry Ganey. Yeah, uh, from the uh, guest room podcast. Guest room, uh, guest room, Larry. Guest room, Larry. Yeah, yeah. guest room, Larry. Yeah. yeah, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're gonna have a fun time taking that episode apart. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we are. It's interesting. I think that all three of us had different feelings on it to start with. Yeah. You know, you were kind of. Not high on it necessarily, yeah. but higher than we were. Yeah, I was kind of in the middle, and yeah. Larry was kind of like, this episode sucks. Yeah. By the end of it, I felt like we kind of... Converged on one point, but we're not going to tell you what that one yeah. point Tune in is. next time, listeners, Yes. to find out whether we all think it sucks, whether we all thought it was meh, meh. or whether we all were like, hey, it's all right, I can get behind it. Yeah. Come back next week. But we can get behind Leap of Faith. We can. Yeah. All right. Have Thank a week. you so very much. Take care of yourselves. And uh, we'll be back next week with One Strobe Over the Lime. But now we're going to leap out of here, right, Dennis? Right. All right. All right. Let's go. Boop. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Close, but time divides what we might share.